The offseason is over. Spring training has begun. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. Guys, I'm so excited for spring training to be starting that we can actually start talking about real baseball. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited. I am absolutely... I'm 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 out of words because this is just it's been a long off season. We've been talking a lot and this is it's finally happening. We we're finally at the time where we can get ready to watch baseball. Yeah, and um, first 162 game season since 2019. Lots to look forward to. Camps underway. You know, are just everyone's well pitchers and catchers have reported everyone looks good so far, and uh, it's going to be an exciting season for sure. So thank God uh, we're what a, about a week away now from games actually starting. Yeah, not. All the pitchers and catchers that the Blue Jays wanted to report have reported. The Blue Jays missed out this past week on James Paxton. He signed a one-year $8.5 million deal back with his former team, the Seattle Mariners, and then Taiwan Walker, who the Blue Jays were also interested in, signing a two-year $20 million deal with the New York Mets. Uh, This was not the ending to the offseason that a lot of fans wanted. People were dreaming of an improved rotation, and it left a lot of fans disappointed to say uh, at a minimum that the Blue Jays didn't add in the starting rotation. Um, How disappointed were you guys? Because from my perspective, missing out on these two guys, I guess it was, I, I obviously wanted them to get one of these two guys or Jake Odorizzi, but I'm not completely shocked. I mean, we've seen over the past week talk that the Blue Jays are kind of maxed out. They're tapped out in terms of their um, uh, amount of spending they can they can do to finish up this offseason. So I'm, I, I'm not totally disappointed. Of course, the Blue Jays rotation would be better if they got one of these guys, but it's not the end of the world and they still had a very successful offseason. Well, you're right. I mean, the offseason was successful. And I mean, I think the reason why I'm kind of upset and disappointed is just because I am not confident in this starting rotation going into this to the season. I mean, we know Ryu is going to be their ace, but other than that, literally everybody else is either unproven or hasn't played within the last little while. So I would have liked to see them sign a starter. And I mean, it was starting to look less and less likely as Scott Mitchell was starting to tweet throughout the week saying the Blue Jays were maxed out. And it's just as much as I probably should have prepared myself for not having any of these starters come to the team, but it's just at the same time, they really need it. And it's just, overall, it's been a good offseason, and I'm happy with what happened, but I'm still a little upset that they didn't get that one extra move that I think would have really made them, or took them from where they are now to potentially a World Series contender. Yeah, um, I'm not totally caught off guard either by what happened, Mark. It's just, um, you know, two or a bunch of among um, what's Taiwan Walker and James Paxson were among a few names that the Jays were, I guess, somewhat interested in. But then it was revealed that the Jays actually never made a formal offer to James Paxton. So the one thing when I look at it now, when you want to take away Taiwan Walker as well, uh, departing from the Mets is it just doesn't feel like Jake Odorizzi is going to happen. And what you see at right now in camp is the rotation that you'll be getting out of spring training, or at least the names there. And th- those will be the names that will be on the starting rotation. I just, I'd just, i be very surprised now if someone like Jake Odorizzi uh, showed up in camp. or I just It doesn't seem too likely to me at all. When you look at it now, um, we we went over our predictions a couple of weeks ago, and we all were in the same boat with a few people, obviously Hunjin Ryu, Robbie Ray, Nate Pierce. Well, Nate Pearson eventually, so that's three starters right there. And, of course, there's Tanner Roark, and then the fifth starter spot would be up for grabs. There's Steven Matz. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of names available. Jer- uh, Julian Merriweather is apparently going to be stretched out this spring. He can be a potential option. There's Thomas Hatch. There's lots of names. Anthony Kay, uh, Ryan Barucki, lots of uh, Trent Thornton, lots of names that could be that fifth starter. But when you look at it now, you miss out on Tywin Walker. You miss out on uh, James Paxson. You likely will miss out on Jake Odorizzi. This is the rotation that you will get, or these are the pitchers you will get until the some point, maybe in midseason, maybe closer to the trade deadline would be the next time the Jays would probably be interested in adding. So that's, you know, regardless if you're disappointed or not, um, it's not totally surprising. It just didn't feel like a reunion with Taiwan Walker was going to happen. You know, there are talks, I guess, somewhat started late and it just it didn't seem like the Jays were really on top of it as much as they probably should have. But um, a, a bit disappointing, but the team on paper still is um, good good for me. And I, I do remember saying, I guess it was the week after George Springer did sign, I did say that if 
it was the one of their final big moves. And I guess when you look at it now, it was um, in terms of adding to the rotation and, and not. I still call it a successful offseason. Obviously, it wasn't perfect, but you got your superstar for the next six years. And um, it's just, uh, you know, the starting rotation right now is a bit of a question mark. But I did say at the time, if this was the starting rotation heading into the spring, it would still be a successful offseason for me. But, you know, Jays fans just seem to be upset all over social media, surprisingly. But uh, it just seems that, you know, a lot of people have also forgotten that George Springer is a Blue Jay and the Jays did spend the most money this offseason compared to any other teams, or at least before um, Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers. I'm not sure what the final numbers were, but the Jays were up there and spending this offseason. So a successful offseason, but these five names obviously going to be a little bit shaky out of the gate when it comes to the starting rotation, but you can't rule out that a few people surprise and a few people bounce back. There's a lot of options here, and there's a lot of different directions the Jays can go, and I think the flexibility that they have does put them in a good position right now on paper. Yeah, I think a lot of fans have have let the last month kind of obscure their memory of this offseason because remember the Blue Jays spent 180 million dollars they got Marcus Simeon they got George Springer they got Kirby Yates they got Tyler Chatwood um they had a successful offseason I think it's really just this one thing at the end that they couldn't nail down because they had already spent so much money and maybe that's a question we can talk about later um about whether they should have approached the offseason differently but look it seems like they are built for this. It seems like they have built their team to roll with a lot of question marks in the rotation. And I, what I mean by this is that they spent the offseason adding kind of long arms in the bullpen. I mean, we have Ross Stripling coming over last year. We have over the offseason, like I mentioned, Tyler Chatwood, Kirby Yates. We have Steven Matz, another guy who's going to play into that equation. And then internally, they have Anthony Kay, AJ Cole is going to be in the bullpen, Ryan Barucki, Tim Meza. They have so many bullpen names, a lot of them who are long relievers. It seems like they're built to roll with a smaller rotation or at least a rotation that's going to be changing week in and week out with different starters and openers and stuff like that. It seems like obviously it's not the optimal situation for them to be rolling with a questionable rotation, but when you consider the fact that they have all these players already on the team, it could work out. I Again, the number one priority should have been starting pitching and they should have built and improved in that regard, but the way that they've built the team, it's not going to be a disaster, I don't think. I think you're correct on that. And the one thing that I will say is the rotation on paper, yes, is questionable. But to be completely honest, I think the fifth starter was most likely going to be not necessarily a traditional starter, but maybe an opener or, you know, however the Blue Jays want to do it. But I think the the biggest issue with the rotation is probably that middle of it, because who right now you can argue Robbie Ray, uh, Nate Pearson, you know, they have some guys that can take over maybe Steven Matz, but they don't have solidified guys. And I think that's the problem is their fifth starter was going to likely be a, a collection of all those names you just mentioned. But I don't know if I want to have your third starter have that same question mark. And during, it was yesterday, I believe Taiwan Walker signed and I think it was Ben Nicholson Smith. Somebody came out with a tweet saying, that the Blue Jays missed out on a legitimate October arm. And I think that's the biggest problem is they missed out on somebody that you can say, you know what, we're we're in a three-game series or a five-game, a seven, you know, whatever the series is, these are our, our guys and we're confident in them. And I, ju- I don't think the Blue Jays really have that right now. Obviously, with Ryu, we know what he is, but the rest of it is a question mark. However, with that fifth spot, I- I'm not as worried about that. It, that part I was, that was, it was fluid for me at the beginning of the offseason. It's fluid now, but... I think if the Blue Jays really wanted to bolster their rotation, they should have at least, you know, this could work out and and they could have, you know, David Phelps or any of these random guys pitch, you know, like a starter and like Taiwan Walker did. But as of right now, I think the question marks just make it very, it makes me very cautious going into, you know, my expectations for them. Yeah, there's lots of possibilities, uh, as we mentioned, I guess, like right off the right off the top. And if you go like there's there'll be scenarios this season where you'll see Steven Matt start uh, in the fifth spot. They could follow by an opener like there's so many different directions this team can go. And for fans who are frustrated, you know, I just hate to remind you, but George Springer came here. Uh, we, we put the pieces together and the offseason or free agency isn't the only area where you can add and that's why I think a lot of people are overlooking the trade deadline because 
don't be surprised. I know it's months away, but don't be surprised that the Jays are active by then or some point early to the midsummer. So, you know, this team is still going to continue to build. But unfortunately, in baseball, it's not hockey and basketball where you win the lottery and you're con- you're already Stanley Cup or championship contenders in one season. Baseball is more of a process, and I think a lot of fans get um, mixed up by that, especially in Toronto because it is a hockey town. You have to understand that there's a difference between putting a baseball team together and putting a hockey team together. Baseball, it takes a process, and you can't, you know, the fact of the matter is you cannot put a World Series team on, you know, together in eight months. Look at the San Diego Padres who have been chipping at this for a couple of years now, and this season especially, or this offseason, they have taken that next step, and now they are legitimate contenders, and of course, all the money they have been spending, and the Fernando Tatis Jr., guys, I don't I don't know what you guys feel about that quickly, but 14 years, that's uh, it's pretty scary to imagine where everyone would be in 14 years. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what the heck, I just, that freaks me out a little bit, but good for him. But anyways, it's just, it's a process, and it's going to slowly take time as, you know, it started with Hanjin Ryu and this offseason especially was a massive step in the right direction. And they're only going to continue to take more steps, but it doesn't be complete in eight, in eight months. That's just not possible in baseball. We've seen it all the time. It's a process. You need to be patient. And this team is getting more uh, competitive each and every year. So I'm not sure, you know why people would be mad the excitement levels through the roof the expectations are rising obviously the jays don't have a home here right now but it doesn't matter as they are supported throughout the entire country so it's a good time to be a blue jays fan and a lot of fans need to re- relax just a little bit i know you know obviously signing george springer it, it gets you spoiled you want to get this guy you want to get that guy but it's just the fact of the matter is the jays spent one of the most or they were the one of the most top spenders this offseason in terms of money so that's my message to Jays fans as spring training ar- arrives and be ready to watch a really good team this year on the field. Yeah, and on that Tatis signing, it's an insane amount of money, insane amount of term. But I think like for Tatis, it's a good deal because he's on- he hasn't even played a full season in the majors. It works out for him. Of course, maybe he is sacrificing some of that money in the long term because he's only, I think the average annual value is like $24 million. And if he continues at the pace he is right now, and he's only 22, so he's going to get better. Like, he's not making as much as he's worth, but there's also the possibility that he's nowhere near as good in the future. So could be a steal for him. And for the Padres, again, same thing. If he ends up being the player that they think he's going to be, it's a steal. If he doesn't pan out, it's a mistake for them. So there's two sides of that coin on both sides. But yeah, like what you said, Bryson, um, yeah, I think fans just have to lower their expectations a bit. The Blue Jays did a lot this offseason. It was a very successful offseason. Um, it's obviously not the best situation that we find ourselves in now. It could be better. The Blue Jays could have spent differently and improved the rotation. Uh, but the glass, I, I still think the glass is half full. Like, the situation's not perfect, but the Blue Jays improved a lot. They did what they could to make the team better. Um, and and I think they did make the team better, and they followed their plan for the offseason. And I think it worked out pretty well. Um, now, the offseason might not necessarily be done. I mean, there's still names on the board. There's Jake Odorizzi on the board. Um, Rick Porcello is one guy who's been mentioned with the Blue Jays, not actually linked to the Blue Jays, but just fans kind of hoping that he comes to Toronto um, or Dunedin this year. Um, other names that have been mentioned, David Price is a guy people have talked about a little bit with the Blue Jays. Do you guys think the Blue Jays will still go out and add a starter? Do you think they spend just a tiny bit on someone like Rick Porcello or find some money? Maybe Mark Shapiro convinces ownership to give them more money and go out and splurge on a guy like Jake Odorizzi? Or do you really think they're just done? They're going to stand pat until at least a trade deadline? I think they're done until at least the trade deadline. And I said to you guys during the week that that's probably when they're going to make their moves. I doubt that they're going to go and sign anybody. And you mentioned with Mark Shapiro, I believe there were some rumors going around and uh, Hazel May and all these uh, Sportsnet reporters were saying that Mark Shapiro would actually have to get some type of special you know, allowance or agreement to actually spend the money to get a starter from Rogers, which interesting. Uh, I, I doubt that happens, to be completely honest. I don't think that they're going to sign anybody. Uh, David Price, the only difference is that I believe is a trade piece. However, the Blue Jays would have to eat most of his salary to make it worthwhile and not have to give up a lot. So I predict that they're done. What they have right now in terms of their pitching is what we're going to see going into the into the season. 
and likely until the until the trade deadline. I mean, maybe they're not going to be extremely active and go get a, a David Price caliber player like they did uh, six years ago now. But, you know, maybe they go and acquire or they try to replicate the Taiwan Walker deal and get, you know, maybe not not the biggest name, but somebody that will make this team better and doesn't come at a massive cost. But for right now, they're done and they're going to see where all these these pieces and all these players fit into their uh, their roster. Yeah, I'm I'm with you as well. I think they are done, but I would not be surprised if they add like an, um, a small name like that, Mark, like a Rick Porcello or something like that. But I see them more uh, just focusing on the season now. And of course, when the time comes to maybe looking at adding at some point during the season. But, you know, I just it, it just seems it's coming to a point now where I just they're in the direction that they just want to get the games going. And they believe that they have all the names within the organization right now that will are willing to put them at a competitive level. And um, regardless if you agree with it or not, that's what at least Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins believe. But um, for now, I just I think they would be done. Uh, there's not much more money to spend anyway. You know, they they are close to what their budget was expected to be around this offseason. So I would not be surprised though if they add a small name like that. But I'm not banking on it whatsoever. I think the names they have now are the names you're going to see to start the year off. And um, as much as it is a little bit shaky, it's just, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of some of these guys. But, you know, the one thing is for sure is that this offense will be probably carrying this team. And the other thing, too, when I want to look at it is, especially in the starting rotation, um, with, I guess, failing to get someone like Taiwan Walker or someone like James Paxson, maybe Jake Odorizzi, is that, you know, I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but it just it feels like it puts a lot more pressure on someone like Hanjin Ryu especially with somebody who is going to be the ace is expected to start opening day and somebody with injury problems or an injury history in the past in a 162 game season it just feels like the performance out of Ryu would be one of the deciding factors for this team in terms of pitching you know he is right now I guess the only solid starter they have Nate Pearson of course uh, very promising but we have to see more and he's still a rookie and he's still a prospect so that's the one thing where I'm not going to put too much on him right now but Hunjin Ryu I feel like the performance for him is going to be one of the deciding factors and it's going to put a lot more pressure on him regardless if he knows it or not I think it's true he is by far the best starter on this team and you're going to need him whenever he's pitching every five days to be dominant because the Jays obviously are going to need to win a lot of games maybe scoring a lot of runs but there also is going to be situations where the offense um, can't always put up a lot of runs. We've seen it so many times and how frustrating it can be and how inconsistent it can be where, you know, especially with the Jays, you know, one game they go up and put up 10 runs. The other game they get shut out. There was a lot of cold streaks they had in 2020, but there was a lot of hot streaks. So that's why I'm looking at someone like Hunter Ryu to really uh, dominate this season and, you know, lead the way for this, this starting rotation because right now he is the guy lined up to do that. But, you know, just of course, the reason for that is that just because other than him, below him, and someone like Nate Pearson, even though, you know, who knows if he's going to start the year on the team or not, or in the rotation, it's a lot, it's very shaky, and it's a, there's a lot of question marks, and you cannot deny that whatsoever, there's Tanner Roark, you really don't know what you're, you're going to get out of him, you hope you get something better, uh, the fifth starter spot really hasn't been determined yet, Robbie Ray is mediocre to good at best, and you hope that he can um, pitch well, but you just still don't know, and you we kind of have expectations lowered for him a little bit because you know what you're getting out of him. But Hunjin Ryu is the deciding factor for me this season, or at least to start, unless they add somebody midway. But for now, it is Ryu. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the fact that the Blue Jays haven't got another starter changes the dynamic in the rotation, obviously. But um, I mean, I know in the the preseason prediction episode we did, I thought Nate Pearson wasn't going to start the team in the majors. Cause I thought they were going to get another starter. Um, but I think now that they haven't, he is going to start the season in the majors. Um, I think he still has to work in spring training to prove himself, but I think that now that they need him, that, that they just can't afford to keep him in the minors cause they have no one else to take his spot. I think another thing that changes also is my prediction for the blue Jays wins. I said 93, but I was assuming that they get someone like James Paxton or Taiwan Walker. I think I said James Paxton, in that episode. So I'm going to lower that to 89. Um, I don't know if you guys want to adjust that as well. Um, but that's definitely something I still see them making moves at the trade deadline. Like I don't see them making another dish in this off season, but maybe they still have money to spend this off season and they just want to save it for the trade deadline. So they have the, the, either the trade capital or the money to eat salary at the trade deadline. So, um, that's how I see things changing. With the Blue Jays, um, it's unfortunate, I think, 
But again, the Blue Jays were built for this. I think they're prepared for this. Um, I see. I, I don't see this at the as the end of the world. No, it's definitely not. I think when it came to all of us predicting their their record, if I remember correctly, we all assumed that they were going to get some type of uh, starting pitcher, whether it was Taiwan Walker or James Paxton, Jake Odorizzi, any of them, and myself included. And I, if I remember, I was I predicted them to have ninety one wins, and I'm going to lower that to ninety. Just because I, you know, it's not much, but I do see a little bit of regression, not not a ton. And I mean, obviously, we still haven't even had the trade deadline. We still even haven't had the first full squad workout. So there's still a lot of unknowns. But I think this team, as of right now, is not as good. Considering when I predicted how good they were going to be, I assumed that the, that they were going to add and have another piece. Yeah. So both of you have lowered it. I, I'm going to be the the uh, the lone wolf on this one and say they keep it just because I do think they're going to add at some point this year and I believe Jacob I had 92, 92. Right? I believe it was yeah. one better so that's why I will uh, stick to that and just because I am confident they eventually will add you know we we know how a couple additions for a team especially the Blue Jays fans would know how much it makes a difference 2015 is a very good example of that so that's why I'll stick to it and um, you know it's it's still going to be it's still an exciting team though like I just can't get enough of how exciting it is for pitchers and catchers report maybe you know we all know the spring training fetish of how after a week we're going to get bored but for me this year I feel like it's different just because we never went through a full spring last year we're going to have 162 games this year and you hope that more games are obviously televised too this year so I don't know like next Sunday is a perfect you know it's game one uh, against the Yankees and uh, it's in Tampa so it's going to probably be televised anyway on the Yes Network but uh, just it's going to be very exciting and um you know, I just the expectations obviously are still going to be high despite failing to acquire a starter. But I will keep my prediction just because uh, I still think the trade deadline is um, something that the Jays are going to be very active in. Yeah, I am so so excited. Um, it's unbelievable. Like that's why I started this episode the way I did because I'm so so excited. It's it's unlike anything I think we've seen. Even like 2016, you go back to 2016 spring training, it was like. The Blue Jays had competed in 2015, and it seemed like they took a little bit of a step back. So we weren't as excited, I don't think. So I think this season is really, it's unlike any other we've ever experienced. And, you know, combining the pandemic and how aggressive the Blue Jays were this offseason, I'm so, so excited. Um, But let's take a final look at the offseason. The first question I want to ask before we get to our grading of the offseason is, should the Blue Jays have approached this offseason differently? Looking back at it, we see that, you know, going into the offseason, we knew a key need for the Blue Jays that they had to fill was starting pitching. They didn't. Um, and we know the approach that they had was casting a wide net, looking at, you know, no matter the position, who can give you the most bang for your buck and signing whoever and making it work internally. We saw that with George Springer. We saw that with Marcus Simeon. Um, they didn't get a starter. Do you think that's a mistake? Overall, do you think their approach to this offseason was a mistake? Should they have approached it differently? 100% I think it was a mistake. And look, I like George Springer. I actually think uh, Marcus Simeon is a perfect fit for the Blue Jays. So him I'm not as concerned about because I think we can all agree that there was a bit of a need to fill in the infield. Or there were at least some question marks. But the rotation was by far their biggest weakness. And it still is. I mean, they added some bullpen guys. Uh, they did lose Anthony Bass, however, they've gained some guys who I'm actually even more confident in. You know, no disrespect to Bass, but I think, you know, Yates and Chatwood are even better options, arguably. They brought back A.J. Cole. So their bullpen, I'm not worried about that in the least. I'm not worried about any of their position players, but their starting rotation is just, it is way too weak to be a competing team. And you mentioned earlier on in the episode with Hyunjin Ryu, he is, he is really their only certified starter at this point i mean they have guys that can fill the role of being a starter but there's so many question marks and what happens if ryu does get injured and i was watching tim and sid a couple weeks ago and sid if i remember correctly he said what happens if ryu's out long term and i i honestly stood stood there stunned i thought well this team is in deep trouble if that happens and i think that is just the biggest issue with the blue jays is they have they have guys that can start but they don't have a certain a 
bonafide starter, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, Liriano, Robbie Ray, all, all these guys that could be very good for them, but we don't know. We still need to see that. And I think that is the biggest mistake. And I don't want to sound as if, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not happy that they or who they did get in terms of George Springer and, and all that, because I do like that. But when I look back at the offseason and try to calm my nerves and and calm my excitement, I really do realize that this team, they made some good moves, but at the end of the day, the moves that they absolutely had to make, they didn't make. Yeah, I, I have to disagree. I think what they did this offseason, I think was a complete success. And I have no regrets because I trust this front office a lot. I've seen what they've done in the past. We have seen what they've done in the past with Cleveland. And I'm just sticking to the point that it doesn't take one winter to put together a World Series team. And I think they're slowly taking the step in the right direction. They have the pieces. They got their guy in George Springer. Because let's say you go out and do sign a different starter and you have to pay more money. Then you're probably not going to be able to pay George Springer $150 million. When you think about that, then you're going to be lowering your expectations. And and it's probably going to be around what the Mets offer was. And then between those two teams, you figure George Springer, there's a chance he would take the Mets over the Jays if he's being offered the same amount of money. You miss out on George Springer. And I think George Springer was the guy. He has been the guy. And there's been lots of interest in Springer for the last couple of years. Ross Atkins flat out has said on the record, going back to 2019, 2018, uh, that this team was always eyeing George Springer. He was the guy that they had lots of um, interest in at the time when they, whatever, when they saw him in Houston. And that's why I do think that it was no regrets for me because they got out, they got their guy, and he's by far the best player on the team right now, along with Bo Bichette who, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., younger pieces. He's going to likely be leading off. He's going to be the everyday center fielder. He gives you a lot what the Jays didn't have the past couple of years, and you've spent the money, and that's what fans have been calling for all this time of how this team fails to spend money. They went out and did the, that exact same thing. And they went out and were one of the top teams this year in spending. So they got, they did exactly what fans have asked for. And unfortunately, it comes with the sacrifice of failing to be complete right now. But there's still area of um, improvement and there's still time and different times throughout the season where you can add. So that's why I'm not ready to write this off right now. But if you were to ask me next fall and the Jays didn't, never added a starter, that may be a different conversation. So clearly, and you guys obviously, and everyone listening can clearly understand what I'm trying to say is that you need to see what they do during the season and around the trade deadline. I've said it so many times already, and that's why I'm going to stick to it. And if they don't do anything by then, I may have a different answer next September, next October, next November, whatever. You'll, you know, you'll know, or I will know when to change my opinion on that, but I'm not ready to write that off. And I have complete faith in this front office. I think they've done a spectacular job. Um, it's been obviously a little bit of a slow process when they started here. Lots of fan backlash. But really, last season or last offseason when they signed Ryu was the beginning of the turning point. And I think there was a perfect there was a perfect um, there was a perfect analogy I saw on Twitter is is where. When you signed Hunjin Ryu, you turned the ship around, and George Springer is when you put your foot on the gas. And that's why I think this team is by far one of the futures of baseball, and they are going to be here for a long time contending. And there's still lots of times for them to improve. That's why I'm not ready, or that's why right now I will not say that they this offseason they did wrong. I have no regrets of saying that, and I think... And I hope that this front office agrees and that they did everything that they plan to do and they did it everything the right way. Right. But I think, well, I agree with you, Bryson. Like, Jacob, you made a very convincing argument, but I do agree with Bryson. But I think the question is, like, should George Springer have been their guy in the first place? Like, yes, they got their guy, but maybe George Springer wasn't the right guy to be targeting. Maybe they should have been targeting Trevor Bauer, although I certainly don't think so. Maybe they should have been targeting Jake Odorizzi the whole time. Maybe J maybe um, George Springer shouldn't have been their target. Um, so I think when we look at the approach that the Blue Jays took, when they laid out their game plan for this offseason and said, okay, George Springer, that's a priority. We're going to put Jake Odorizzi starting pitching. We're going to put that on the sideline. Like, was that the right approach? I say yes. I think it was. I don't think they consciously said, okay, starting pitching, we're putting that to the side right now. We're focusing on um, position players. I don't think they consciously said that. Like I said earlier, I think their approach was, we are going to sign whoever can give us the most wins above replacement per dollar spent. We're going to spend our money the best way possible, and we're just going to make it work internally. And I think that approach worked, right? We saw the Blue Jays get 
a whole lot better this offseason. You know, maybe they added 10 wins above replacement. I think they're a 10-win better team than they were last year. That's an incredible, incredible success for a team that is trying to get better, that is trying to, you know, now compete in the postseason and maybe make it to the World Series over the next few years. I think this offseason went very well. And I think their approach... Whether it should have been in place in the first place, they did it to success and they did it successfully. And Bryson, you mentioned like they have so much talent on the team and they didn't give up any of it to get better, right? They gave up money, but they didn't give up any talent. They still have all their top guys. They never, we saw guys like Lourdes Goriel Jr. be mentioned in trade talks. They never gave him up. The only guys they gave up were in the Steven Matz deal and that's, Three guys whose names I practically already forget. You know, Sean Reed Foley, Yenzi Diaz, Josh Winkowski. That's it, right? Yenzi Diaz, Josh Winkowski, those are names you never hear practically. And then Sean Reed Foley, he came up to the majors. He was all right. But, I mean, I I think they were successful because they didn't give up much of anything besides money. Even if they didn't get starting pitching, they still got a whole lot better. And you can never knock that. They got so, so much better. And that's ultimately the only thing that matters. Um, but bottom line, what grade would you guys give this Blue Jays offseason? I'd give it an A uh, for, those, for those reasons. Because I think they missed out on starting pitching, which of course is not good. But they got so much better. They improved the team so much. They didn't give up anything to get better. So I'm giving it a, an A straight out. That is an interesting one. I, I was... Very, I was questioning myself a lot when I was trying to give a grade, and I think a B is probably fair a because, B. like, like you guys just said, this team is a lot better, and George Springer makes this team extreme. I think the biggest problem is they didn't make the move; they didn't target their needs. I mean, George Springer is by far one of the best players at his position, arguably one of the better hitters in baseball. But I think. In order for me to say that this offseason season was was you know worth an A, I, I think they would have needed to sign some type of starter because I think there's just there's a lot of questions going into this to this uh, spring training and the season. I do like the moves they made, and that's why I, I did want to give it a B because th- this team is now a lot better, and they do have pieces that do make it them a much better team. Not not even to mention that. You know, the players that were here before were a lot better, but I don't, I think if, in order to say that this, this, uh, this off season was a lot better, I think they would have needed to make a move for a starting pitcher that was going to be, you know, a certified starter for the entire season. Yeah. Um, Mark, I gotta, I think I'm going to agree with you and put it in a, because I'm going to stick to what I said the night they, they signed George Springer. I said it was a, it was a, um, already a successful off season because it was everything that they wanted to do. And that is why. It is nearly there to be perfect. However, I did say a starter would put the cherry on top, which is why I won't give it an A+, but I'll give it an A because they did exactly what they wanted to do. And when I look at it, and I'll go back to your question when you said, should George Springer have been the guy? Uh, I quickly went over pretty much all of these names that the Jays have been interested in. And George Springer, a career war of 27. 27.5. Trevor Bauer, 17.5. You're already adding an extra 10 or a better war by 10. So that's so that's A. Number B, Taiwan Walker, of course, missed out on him. The Jays probably were, weren't going to go past one year. Career war of seven. Jake Odorizzi, career war of 12.4. So when I look at it, George Springer has been the most consistent guy since coming up to the major league level. He has a career. We've, we know his career stats. I'm not even going to mention it because they're all through the roof. Trevor Bauer, however, you know, he's solid. I do like Trevor Bauer. A career ERA of 390. But there have been multiple Which seasons. Tanner Tanner Rourke has a better career war or career ERA than uh, than Trevor Bauer. I'm, I didn't say that. You said that. I'm just gonna stick to that. <laughs> a career ERA of 3.90 for Trevor Bauer, and there has been seasons where he's put up ERAs above four, above like above six, above five. And when I look at it, I don't know because I know they did. The Dodgers ended up signing him to. Uh, a shorter term deal, and he gets a lot of opt outs after every year. So Trevor Bauer can basically walk whenever the heck he wants. Trevor Bauer probably was probably going to want the exact same deal in Toronto. That's a pretty big loss if he decides to just bolt after one year. I'm sorry. So that's why that's as much as he would have been good. There is no question that George Springer was the guy to target. Jake Odorizzi, as well, a career 
ERA of 392. When you want to like when you want to look at it, it's a completely different tier from George Springer. He's the best name on the market. And the, you know that's why you can't go away from the fact that this team failed because they did everything they wanted to do. They got the best player clearly by the numbers, uh, and there's just you know you got a six year commitment out of him. You, you know there's no options for him. There's no Trevor Bauer. He decides to leave whenever the heck he wants. One small thing could completely ruin a relationship. That is why um, I look at it and I say it was an A because of course there is still a hole in the starting rotation, but. It was successful, and they got a, a lot better than what we saw them last October in the wild card series against Tampa. So when you want to look at it like that, like I know I did, it's, it's it speaks for itself. But Jacob, are you sure you want to give this team a B? I, I'm a little curious yeah, on that one. I I got to be honest. I think you're insane for saying B. <laughs> I That's think a high this team is good. Level. It's just I I like the moves, but the, I think the the problem for me a-? is just they didn't go out and do what I really hoped and expected them to do and with their rotation you know but maybe they the signed rotation, george springer no, no, no. I, i'm happy that they <laughs> signed an emergency podcast at midnight no, no i see the, that move was probably one of my favorite moves that they've ever made but i think the problem is, is there's just so many question marks going into spring training and the regular season that i i don't know i, I feel like even if oh, i think man. they should have at least signed one type of starter i know i know i'm being maybe a little bit pessimistic and harsh here but I do think this team needed at least. <laughs> I think they needed at least one, uh, one extra starter to make this, you know, the perfect off season. Wow, that is very harsh. I think. <laughs> I think. I, I think. Like, like the Blue Jays. Let, let's also say this: they don't have to do everything this year. They have all these players under control until like 2026. Ross Atkins and Mark Spiro have said they want to get better and better every year. Like they want to sign a high impact player, a superstar player every year. So this is just a stepping stone. Like this is not the 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 end point for the Blue Jays. This is not their peak. They're going to keep getting better and better. So I don't, I think even if they don't get a starter this season, they can get it in other seasons. It's wow, a B. I I can't believe that, Jacob. I cannot believe that. It's a process. Baseball's a process. And all the money they have coming off the books next offseason, as much as there's a lot of uncertainty with that 2022 season, when you want to look at the contracts coming off the books for the Jays, the amount of flexibility they have, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and if people forgot, go take a look at all the money that they're going to have free next year because they they are in a good position as well next year, and I think a lot of people don't even realize that yet. But it's a process. It doesn't take eight months to build a World Series team in baseball. It just doesn't. Unless you're the Padres. But they are, but with them too, they they signed Manny Machado a couple years ago. It's been slow. They've yeah. been taking Eric steps Cosmer too. as well. Yeah. They've been taking steps too, and of course, obviously, the past what even going back to the last deadline when they got um, Clevenger, it's that's when they completely took the next step. And before that, they still weren't done. And for the Jays, they aren't done. They're still going to go up they have so much opportunity to go up which is why it's it's successful you gotta you gotta give it at least an a minus jacob one more chance to change your answer <laughs> okay jacob let's get your rebuttal and then let's move on from the offseason because we beat this dead horse <laughs> the reason why i'm not gonna change what i said about their offseason is primarily because they came into the offseason saying that they were gonna sign so many starting pitchers you know we've seen interest in name after name and i feel like if you maybe i I don't know i feel like if you're saying that you're going to sign these guys and then you literally don't sign any of them it's just it's disappointing to me and yes it is a process and this offseason is not the be all and end all for them but i personally would have liked them to see or to sign one of these starting pitchers considering how aggressive they said they were going to be and they were aggressive in other ways i just i think going into the way that they they projected themselves this offseason. I would have liked to see them sign a starting pitcher and really solidify this rotation. Although, like you guys have said, this this still could happen in the future, and I'm not I'm not saying it could could never happen. Wow, wow. Okay, I'm gonna pretend that whole <laughs> section never happened. I don't want to think about that. I'm just disappointed. Um, I walked off. <laughs> yeah. If you guys could see our video, Bryson, when Jacob doubled down, he walked away. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's forget that even happened. The Blue Jays, 
They're going to be starting the season in Dunedin. They're going to be playing there until at the very least May 2nd until the end of their second homestand. Um, and then they're going to reevaluate their plans. As we understand it, it seems like they're going to be playing in Dunedin for the first few months. Move to Buffalo in maybe June as the summer weather takes hold in Dunedin. And then maybe, fingers crossed, depending how vaccinations go, move up to Toronto after uh, you know, who, who knows how long in Buffalo, um, this did not surprise anyone. I don't think, um, I think the only surprising thing to me was the fact that they are going to be bouncing around different locations. I thought really my impression was they would choose one spot and stick with it. They would choose Dunedin and that would be it, or they would choose Buffalo and that would be it. But I'm surprised that they're, I mean, it makes sense in hindsight, but I'm still surprised that they're really willing to move from Dunedin to Buffalo, and then even potentially maybe to Toronto at the end of the season? Well, uh, when I look at it, it's just there's lots of, um, you know, I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad that they did this. They did this approach where they're going to reevaluate it. I think it's probably the smartest thing they did. You know, for, for compared to other sports, it's 162 games. It's a long season. A lot can change from now until May, from now until July, so on and so on. Even the fall maybe close to October, knock, knock on wood that the Jays are in the playoffs. But anyways, um, I'm glad that they are doing this, I guess, cautiously, and they're going to be evaluating everything. And, you know, the one thing we do know is that they would not, they would prefer not to move three different times, or because obviously the move to Dunedin is one, even though I guess it's a lot easier since they're just going to stay there. But moving to Buffalo is, and I'm not surprised because when you want to look at this as well, first of all, Buffalo in April, we know the weather, it's pretty relatable to up here in Toronto so we know the weather for that or anywhere on the eastern belt of uh, North America and second of all now when you want to move into the warmer months when you want to look at the Rays and the Marlins there's a reason why they have a roof at their games so the rain could be an issue um, you know obviously we're still not used to rainouts for Blue Jays fans because of Rogers Center we have that I guess privilege or opportunity to play as many as we can other than uh, ice falling off the CN Tower and going through the roof but um, so when you want to look at it like that, Buffalo obviously gets nicer in the summer. If the games get hot as well in Florida, the Florida heat too, if it would probably be better if eventually they moved to Buffalo, but pretty much but what we're hearing is, you know, it's, especially if they want to avoid moving three times, they're getting the assumption that the only way they go to Buffalo is if still by the summer, they're not allowed to come back to Toronto. So I guess they're holding out hope by the, the summer they can come back. And that would avoid a move three different times. But, you know, I'm based on what I've been hearing too, or like pretty much what I've heard about the different types of scenarios, I'd be very surprised they last all year in Dunedin because of that alone is just because of the heat and because of the rain. Nothing about the field because obviously the facilities have just been re renovated and the field's pretty much the best it's ever been. It's a lot better than Salem Field. And Salem Field did the job last year, but of course they prefer to be in Dunedin. But however... If it gets, if the rain gets, you know, constant, and if the weather gets really hot, like it usually does in Florida in the summer, it might be better for them to move closer to uh, Toronto, and that would be Buffalo. And of course, there's already been a plan in place for Buffalo to temporarily relocate if that happens. And if you guys have taken a look at the schedules, Buffalo and Rochester, they never have home games on the same date. So tell me that wasn't done on purpose. Um, there's plans for this. So for people freaking out of where are the Bison's gonna go. It's already been dealt with. There is a whole plan that they have to move Buffalo there. And, you know, for the players, it's definitely got to be tough on the players. But, you know, this is another disadvantage for this team. And this is another thing where you can look at it midway through the year saying, these guys don't have a home again. And now they're also moving to different home sites throughout the season. First of all, you know, when you want to look at TD Ballpark, let's talk about TD Ballpark because hitters are going to love it. You know, especially lefties, um, pitchers, you know, you might want to avoid drafting Blue Jays pitchers for your fantasy team because of uh, TD Ballpark and how low, you know, how small it is. But it's just, you don't, you know, it's it's going to be very, very friendly to the hitters. But um, it's not surprising. We knew Buffalo or we knew Dunedin was going to be plan A this season. It's already been, I guess, leaked and reported for the past couple of months. But the Toronto thing is still up in the air and we really don't know. We did an over-under last week, so we'll see what happens. But uh, maybe by the summer, if the vaccination rate continues to increase, or if it ever increases in Canada, there might be a better chance. But the one thing too is, you know, the as, as much as the vaccine's been available in the states, a lot of people are being vaccinated in the United States, and it's a really good sign. So, 
maybe that also has a little bit of a deciding factor that, you know, MLB players decide to take the vaccine. We know that some are and some are publicly coming out saying that it's they highly recommend it. Obviously, not everybody will. But I think it's obviously going to come down to the vaccinations and obviously it will be coming down to the numbers. But the one thing that we've learned throughout the past year with this thing is it's impossible to predict two months down the road because it can either go really good or really bad that fast. But the fact that they have a plan for three different sites, I really like the flexibility, but it's got to be tough on the players for sure. But, you know, you, this is unfortunately the benefit or, you know, the one of the disadvantages of being in a different country. And um, you just hope that once this thing's over, we never go through something like this again because... You know, I'm sure I can, and you guys and everyone listening can relate with me that missing games in Toronto and missing games at Rogers Center is, you know, it's it's up there. You know, a lot of people really miss it. So hopefully one day, or they will eventually return, but who knows when. But um, I would not be surprised by the summer they're going to be playing games in Buffalo if they don't come back to Toronto. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, I don't think that they're going to end up coming to Toronto. And I don't know. It's really hard to predict, but I do think that as of right now, with just kind of the way everything is, is there's so many variants, and you know, in in Ontario, you know, they're starting to loosen restrictions, but who knows what's going to happen, and you know, with the state of a third wave potentially. So, I, it, it, there's just there's so many question marks. I do think that they are going to get out of out of uh, Dunedin come springtime because, like you said, you know, it's I've been to, to Florida a few times, and I kid you not, it rains, you know, thunderstorms every single night, and it's it is extremely hot, and I I do I do feel for the players. I do think that they would want to get out of that. It it can be difficult to play in that type of a situation. And like you said, there's a reason why Miami and Tampa Bay why they both have uh, roofs because you know you can't play just like in Toronto. You know you gotta you have cold weather, you have potential of rain. You know this this roof exists for a reason. So I do think that they are gonna get out of Dunedin come May June sometime around, somewhere around that time. I don't know if it's going to be to Toronto, and I don't think that if they come to Dunedin, they will go to Toronto again, unless the playoffs happen in, unless the Blue Jays make the playoffs, and this is way later in the year. But that is probably the uh, a very unlikely situation. I think that in terms of the regular season, they're not playing at the Rogers Center at all. But maybe come playoffs, there is some type of allowance. I remember John Tory, uh, the mayor of Toronto, he mentioned a lot last year how the plan was maybe to allow the Blue Jays to play in Toronto come the playoffs and for a variety of reasons also playoff structure that there was there was not uh, any games in Toronto but I think that is probably the target. Buffalo is most likely going to be where the Blue Jays play if they move and I do think they will move out of Dunedin however Toronto is probably not not very likely. Yeah I still don't think they're gonna go to Toronto but it's like I like this is just common sense, but I guess I didn't realize that they really just had to balance different things because like you look at it, you can you can't play in Buffalo in the early season. You can't play in Florida in the the summer months, so you just have to create a piecemeal solution. And this isn't breaking any news, but um one of the people who follows me works on the facilities um in Dunedin and he said that the Blue Jays really just want to that the ideal situation would be to stay in Dunedin until June and then be able to move up to Toronto. Um, they, If everything goes as planned, they can skip Buffalo and just move twice or, or just move once um, to Toronto if everything goes as planned. Of course, that's probably not going to happen. Um, they expect to stay in Dunedin and then move to Buffalo and then this guy doesn't know anything about that because that's out of his hands, obviously, at that point. Um, but... Uh, I think what you said, Bryson, that this is tough for players moving twice, but I think this is easier than it was last year. I think the fact that they know where they're going to be at the very least for the first month and a half of the season, I think that is so much better than where we were at you know this point last year, before the season last year, when we thought we have no idea where the Blue Jays are playing. Um, they get kicked out of Toronto, kicked out of Pittsburgh, kind of kicked out of Baltimore, even though that plan never happened. And then they play on the road for two weeks until they can, you know, find a home in Buffalo. I think it was on August 12th that they played the first home game at Salem Field. So I think this situation, regardless of what happens with moving and um, whether they make it to Toronto eventually, I think it's 100% better than what we saw in 2020. 
Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. The fact that they didn't even give an offer to the government tells you one thing because it's just 0% right now. And yeah, they're prepared. They've went through it once. You know, it's just that they have obviously a lot better for it to be lined up. And the players, or most of the players, have been through this already. So it's really, for most of the team, it's really nothing surprising. So that's the one thing. But yeah, like I just, when I heard about that, they didn't even give one offer. I just, there was zero optimism for that to happen. So um, I'm glad that they got this over and done with before spring training even started because. We learned about the news about them being kicked out pretty much, what, like a day or a couple before the season actually started. And, you know, I do blame the government for part of that because they at least could have let them know beforehand, regardless of how much or how likely it was or not. I just, I think it was handled poorly from them as well. But we'll see what happens. And obviously them moving, or I guess you want to, technically it's three times, but really it's two because they're already in Dunedin. Them moving from Dunedin, Buffalo, Toronto, it doesn't seem ideal at all, so... Obviously, that them coming to Toronto by the summer seems to be, or of course, Mark, as you just confirmed that it is it is the plan, but we really don't know because, and no matter how high up you are in ranks or whatever, it's just impossible to predict. But of course, um, I'll still hold my prediction that July 1st would be a great day to come back. So we'll see, but it all depends on that. Um, it all depends on the vaccination. So that's all I have to say, but um, I'm glad that we'll be seeing uh them at least have a home they know where they're going to be playing and for now it's because it's going to be easy because they're already in Dunedin so that's the one thing when you want to look at it they're in a lot better of a position than they were last summer all right we have a jam-packed episode but we have one last thing to talk about because spring training did start um and there are a few tidbits of news that we saw come out in press conferences between Ross Atkins, Mark Spiro, uh, I think Charlie Montoyo had media availability, a couple players did. Um, one thing that stood out to me, and we can start the conversation here, is just that Lourdes Goriel Jr. is taking reps at first base and third base. Um, this is nothing more, I mean, Ross Atkins confirmed this, but this is nothing more than just giving the team some flexibility. We know, I've said this a million times, but the Blue Jays value flexibility. That's why they have Kevin Biggio moving everywhere. They might be trying to do some sort of the same thing with Lourdes Goriel Jr., although we think it's just late-inning late situations. Um, they want to be able to move him around for pinch-hitting reasons, pinch-running, whatever happens. They want to be able to move him to different parts of the field. Um, it makes sense. It's a logical thing for the Blue Jays to do. It will help them in the long run and in some games when they have to move people around. I am not opposed to this. I don't think any of us are. Um, I think it makes sense. Exactly. And I think to anybody that's kind of questioning whether this is a good move or not, just realize Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is your starting left fielder. He is not going anywhere, you know, unless there is some type of matchup or, you know, whatever the case may be. You have a pinch runner, like you said, you know, we've seen that all throughout the last couple of years. That is all that's really going to happen. If anything happens at all, you're not going to see Gurriel making regular starts at first base or third base or anything because the infield's jammed and you say, Say for devil's advocate, Guriel does play at first base. Well, then where does Guerrero play? Third base? Well, then where does Biggio play? Left field? Well, then where does Telez play? You know, it's just, it, it, there's too many question marks. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into this. This is spring training. You have a young team. You have a, an athletic team and they're just, they're going to, they're going to work through things. And I don't really think that anything or anything crazy can come out of this. Yeah, I'm not, um, you know, definitely a little bit surprised with that. But of course, um, I'm glad that they're looking at all different scenarios. You know, maybe it has something to do with, um, maybe it has something to do with they're not as confident with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. even considering going back to third base. But it seems that they're going to give him somewhat of an opportunity to play some games there. That'll depend on it. Of course, the weight loss as well. They're going to give him a chance. But I'm glad that they're going to be looking at all different uh, scenarios. And the fact of the matter is, they don't really have a primary third baseman, and that's the one other thing that I guess they missed out on. And right now it's Kevin Biggio, but it could be Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as well. It could be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I'm glad that they're opening it up. And I, I don't know. I, I won't take too much away from it. Um, I just, I'm not surprised that they're going to be trying other players in different positions to increase like the utility aspect of it, but I'm glad that they are. And it just it would make sense because they did miss out on a third baseman. So Loris Gurriel Jr. We do know his history in the infield. I just hope that 
the struggles from his second base and shortstop don't translate over, or he doesn't spend as much time in the infield because he does seem to be most comfortable in the outfield. So that's the one thing I look at it from. But, you know, I'm glad that we're talking about this because, of course, it is baseball content. And, um, you know, all the different lineups and all the different ideas that they're going to be putting together in the next couple of weeks, as much as it's spring training, it's kind of where it all starts and it's kind of where all the experiments come from. So next Sunday especially will be interesting to see as they open up Grapefruit League action in Tampa against the Yankees. So I'm, I'm very excited and the one thing, too, is, of course, this virus has taught me, especially not to take anything for granted, I think I will never hate on spring training again because I'm <laughs> glad it's back and I, I'm going to stick to it because we get to see a full spring training and a full season once again after last year's shortened season. It felt like it went through just like that. So it wasn't even really a third of a season, but glad that we get to have Grapefruit League action again. It's just um, the one thing I look forward to. Yeah, just to put things in context... Almost a year ago to this date, we were hearing that Kevin Biggio was taking reps in the outfield. And this is very, you know, like at freezing cold takes on Twitter. We, I think it was just Bryson and I, but we heavily criticized the Blue Jays for doing this. But of course, it worked out wonderfully. Um, I Like, we could be seeing the same type of thing with Lourdes Goriel Jr. Again, I don't think it's anything more than just giving them the flexibility late in games. But could work out. I think it's a strong move and a smart move. Anyways, um, another thing we saw, um, talk about the catchers, um, Reese McGuire, Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, they'll all be competing for the two catcher spots on the roster, which we know there's going to be only two, not three catchers, because that's what we heard from, um, I think it was Ross Atkins, not totally sure, all these interviews blend together in my head, but uh, I really do not see um, Reese McGuire making the roster. I don't see, like, if you were to run a simulation like a thousand times, I think Reese McGuire would make the roster like once or twice. I really don't see. After the success of Alejandro Kirk and the defensive strengths of Danny Jansen, I think it's pretty darn impossible that Reese McGuire makes the roster. I think it's almost guaranteed that it's Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if... If Reese McGuire is to make the roster, he's going to need to severely outplay Alejandro Kirk, and I do think that Kirk is in in an advantage in advantageous situation here. He obviously he he came up and tore it up throughout his last ten games or the last ten games of the season. But in order for Reese McGuire to take that spot, and we've heard from I believe it was Ross Atkins that that McGuire is going to get a lot of at bats during spring training, especially the earlier parts parts. He's going to get an option to or an opportunity at least to earn a spot however he's gonna have to play extremely well and hope for Alejandro Kirk to completely regress and I, I think that regress doesn't mean hit mid 200s because at that point you know Kirk is gonna be your backup catcher so in order for that you're gonna kind of have to hope for Maguire to severely outplay him which you know it could happen and I mean it obviously that that does make the team better if that happens you know that friendly competition but I don't predict that that's gonna happen you know you're gonna have Danny Jansen catching the majority of the time and then Alejandro Kirk kind of getting some time in here and there and maybe even DHing from time to time, you know, the Blue Jays like their flexibility, but yeah, it's going to be Jansen and Kirk predict, uh, according to what all the signs are saying. Yeah. The one thing I look at too with Reese McGuire is obviously he has struggled, um, with the bat in the past, or last year he did, but, um, he is out of options as well. So I don't, you know, I doubt it that they're going to bring him on the roster, and send down Kirk. I just, you know, if you want to have the best team on opening day, Alejandro Kirk's got to be your guy for the or for the backup catcher role. And even if it's not, and if they're switching or more of a rotation this year, regardless, those two guys as your catchers put your team in the best possible spot to win. But I believe you do have to pass waivers to get to the taxi squad. So I know that uh, you probably do have to carry a third catcher again this year. So Maybe Reese McGuire passes waivers and gets there. Maybe that's the best we see out of him is that he starts the year on the taxi squad. But I wouldn't, you know, say that just because he's out of options, he's going to make the team because he just doesn't seem that, you know, I just, I would be very surprised if somebody like Kirk had to go, go down because of that. So then Reese McGuire, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't really have too much to think about it just because of Jansen and Kirk. You don't really have to worry about that. But those two guys, as you're starting or as your catchers coming out of the spring, you know, they, it has to happen for, you know, you feel like it would happen as well. So Reese McGuire, not too 
not a lot of expectations, but maybe he gets on the taxi squad and uh, passes waivers. Yep. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Lots and lots to talk about this week. I'm sure we'll have so much to talk about next week as if we follow our schedule, we'll be recording one day before the start of spring training baseball. So very, very exciting. I cannot wait for baseball to start again and to be able to watch it or given Sportsnet's reluctance to broadcast spring training games, listen to it on the radio. It's going to be awesome and it's very, very exciting. Okay. Um, I say this every week, but you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash section138pod. We've got some great benefits there. Um, you can join our patron-only Discord and just chat with us. We're going to be doing some you know, audio and video calls during games, so you can stay tuned with us and talk through games on that. Um, we make a lot of bloopers in our episodes as well, so you can get, get access to bloopers. Um, you can choose the intro and outro music to our podcast. There's so many, so many awesome benefits and it just helps support what we're doing here. So be sure to check it out. Patreon.com slash section 138 pod. And then, uh, no, I'm not even going to mention, um, iTunes or anything else. Patreon, just head to the Patreon. That's all we want from you this week. Um, okay. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week.